Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad to be uh, one of, I don't know, three or four people who have hopefully uh, welcomed you already. And uh, we're so grateful that you are with us this morning and that we are with you. Uh, this is your first time here. Uh, welcome. We are uh, really excited that you would spend your uh, February 3rd morning with us. And if you are uh, been with us for years, welcome back home. Uh, it's good to, to worship, to dive into God's word together. Um, so with that being said, uh, we are... Um, we're excited to be able to welcome you to Pomerado Christian Church that uh, we've talked before recently that we're a church we want to get people plugged into the people and the purpose of the church. Uh, recognize it's not just about coming on Sundays. That's a good first step, but there's many steps after that. Uh, recognize that we're also not perfect people, but we're people who have been and are still being changed by God, not for our own good, but we're being changed by God to make a change in this world, and that we are called to be witnesses to who God is, what he's done, and how he loves through our words, but also through our deeds and actions, so that people far from God would want to come near to God, and that we would be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so, like our church initials, plugged in, changed by, called to, are the initials PCC. Hopefully, that helps us. It's easy to remember, but hopefully, it reminds us of how to live individually and also as a church, as a body of believers together. So welcome. Uh, we're glad to be with you this morning. Now, what we like to do here at the beginning of every sermon is, is recognize that not everybody comes every week in a row. You might miss a week. So what we like to do is to be able to kind of do a recap of previously in this series, uh, just like your favorite TV shows that do previously, this is what we like to do to make sure that we're all caught up. Um, and then recognizing that if you've missed a sermon, uh, you can always go back uh, onto the website. You can watch them at palmerout.com slash messages. You can also find them on uh, Apple Podcasts as well as Google Play. So um, just so you can get caught up if you would like to do that. With that said, I want to take a couple minutes to remind us of where we've been, that the series is called The Box of Not Yet. And so we kind of started this series with the idea that if it was after Christmas and we thought about if there was a gift that you said that you were going to give to Jesus, but you had hold, you've held on to it. This idea is something that we've always wanted to do, we say we would do. In our heart of hearts, we know we really would desire to do these things, but for whatever reason, we have this box, this gift that we want to give, but we say, Lord, I'll do that, but not yet. Let me get some things figured out first. Let me at least, you know, figure out my uh, semester and get done with school and figure out my college first. Let me at least help me to figure out my career. Help me, help me to take care of me first and then I'll end, end up being able to give back to you what, what I say I will. And so we have these reasons, these things that we want to do. And we say, I will do this for you, Lord, but, but not yet. And so we started this series off, week one was the first week of the year. And we talked about the idea that if we were to keep any resolution this year, May it not be just to make our own lives better, but to make Jesus better known in the lives of others. This idea of being lights in a dark place, of sharing our faith, of, of recognizing that we have the opportunity to be able to change eternity in the lives of those around us, just as our eternity has been changed by people who've shared the message with us. Then the next week, we talked about the importance of connecting into community. This idea that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together because Christian transformation happens in association with others, not isolation from others. That Christianity is a team sport. That there are 59 one another verses in the New Testament. Love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens. All these different things. And so we, we can't say that we're fully following the life that Jesus has called us to live if we're not doing 59 of the things that he's called us to do. 
And we cannot do those things if we are in isolation in a self-imposed solitary confinement where we try to do this walk alone as a solo sport when it's been meant to be a team sport together. Then the third week, we talked about this idea of growing, that the best way to grow isn't just to listen to what other people say, but to spend time with God and choose to listen and obey. And we talked about how there's all these experts that tell us how to live with, with our, you know, our weight or our health or our finances or productivity or what we need to do. And instead of following all those things, we need to spend time with God. And that we don't just listen and, and allow one thing to go in one ear and out the other, but we spend time with God and we choose to listen and obey. This word Shema in the Hebrew is listen and obey. It's like two sides of a train track. It's like two oars in a rowboat. You cannot have one without the other and tend to go where you want to go. And so it's this idea of being able to listen and obey to what God has to say. And then last week, we talked about this idea of serving and saying that being set apart for service is not just for the special few. It's the call for all of us, and that's including you that you have been given gifts, that God has equipped you to do work of ministry, that you are someone that God has shaped and formed and created with such gifts and talents and abilities that he wants you to use them. That serving is not just for the people who are paid to do ministry. It's not just for people who are on stage or in the back or, or greeting. I mean, whatever it is, it's not that. It's all of us. And how much better would God's kingdom be if all of his people found out the ways that they were shaped to serve and then did those things because, man, people would look at our good deeds and they wouldn't want to give us credit. They'd want to give God glory, that we'd be able to be salt and light, that we'd be able to be people who are bringing those far from God near to God. So this is the idea of serving. So today, we're going to move on from those, and we're going to talk about this idea of giving generously. I'll give generously, Lord, but not yet. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are, and I thank you that you are in this place, uh, and that you are with each and every person um, that is here right now, and each and every person that is listening online later. I pray that they know that they are prayed for, cared for, and loved before they even hear these words. God, I pray that they know deep in their bones and the fiber of their beings the love that you have for them and that if nothing else they hear this morning, may that permeate and resonate in a real way. God, I pray as we dive into your word that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a powerful, personal, impactful way uh, to each and every one of us, God, that you would be glorified and that you would know um, just that we give back to you out of all the things you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as I mentioned, we're talking about I'll give generously, but not yet. And I just want to set a disclaimer that for some of you that maybe this is your first time coming, you think, oh man, does this church only talk about money? And the answer is no. Uh, if you were to maybe someone who's new and you don't even have a relationship with God yet and you're listening to us talk about money, you might be like, I knew the church only wants our money. So what I want to do is take a moment to just say that money is a big topic, that it's one of those things where when Jesus was on earth, he preached and he shared about money often. In fact, he talked about how you cannot serve both God and money. He didn't say both God and any other idol, but there's a recognition in which that money holds a very um, specific hold on many of our lives. And in fact, in 1 Timothy, Paul talks about how it's the love of money that can be the root of all kinds of evil. So we recognize that Money, maybe we don't talk as a church or as the church overall, maybe we don't talk about money enough because of the pull that it has and because it feels taboo to talk about. But instead, 
recognize the importance of doing so. Now, does that mean we're going to do a 52-week series on money? Yes, no, it does not. So it's one of those where it's not like that, but it makes sense for us. We would be remiss if we didn't address the topic specifically when it comes to, I will give, Lord, but not yet. And I also have to confess this right off the bat before I share my opening story, the idea that uh, in your notes, um, I had great pains last night when I was looking at the sermon and I realized on the very top, I spelled generously wrong. Um, and so if you notice that, <laughs> self high five, here it's correct. In your notes, it's wrong. And I just felt like, you know, we talk about that we are not perfect people. Like it is evidenced by the fact that we spell things wrong. I spell things wrong. And it's one of those where um, I'm like one of those like grammar nerds. Like, so it just, it hurts me right here, right where my appendix was. That's where the pain is that I spelled that wrong. So uh, we got it right for the slide, but I'll give generously, but not yet. In order to share this story, um, when I gave my life to the Lord, September 20th, 2003, um, I was attending um, UC San Diego down here. And so uh, I gave my life to the Lord and I started attending the Rock Church, which at the time uh, was meeting at Montezuma Hall at San Diego State. And while I was attending there, it was after two months of being there, I was sitting in the corner right over here and I felt the Lord saying, JP, I want you to do that as being a senior pastor. And so I kind of wasn't sure about that. It took some time, but God has worked and made that calling clear. And I'm so, so excited to be here with you all. Um, but with that said, it was that the rock was going through a, a building campaign that year. And it was a Nehemiah project, studying the book of Nehemiah, rising up and building. And this idea that um, we wanted to be able to, to give, and they were asking for a three-year commitment for giving a monthly donation to building what's now their main campus over at Liberty Station. And so I remember attending there and, and trying to figure out, okay, I wanted to give. I was a sophomore in college. I didn't even know that I was going to be moving away yet, but I was like, okay, well, I, I would like to give. And I did a very, um, it's not in the Bible. I don't think it's a biblical way to make a decision, but I turned to a friend next to me because there were two amounts that I was thinking about. And so I was saying, okay, I'm going to have my friend pick a number between one and 10. And if it's between one and five, I'll give the smaller amount. And if it's between six and 10, I'll give the bigger amount. So I'm not saying you should do that, but that was, you know, me and my new faith. This is how I wanted to determine things, I guess. And so I was like, so pick a number one or 10, between one and 10, like eight. I was like, all right, here we go. We're going for the bigger amount. And was able to give to that three years. It even lasted into the first couple of years of uh, Steph and, our, and our marriage. But being able to give to that in order to help build the building. And I got to be honest, I haven't even seen the building yet. Like I haven't had a chance to go there. I don't know if you guys are aware, I'm kind of busy on Sunday. So I don't get a chance to go and, and see those things. And so it's one of those where I, I want to see it. But it was the opportunity to be a part of something bigger. To give and to contribute to something bigger than just my own life. And I would, I would wager that many people in this room or listening online might want to give more to things, to the glory of God, to be able to give to uh, the church and give a tithe, to be able to give a full 10% tithe to the church, or to give an offering over and above to other organizations, or whatever that may be, and the desire to be able to choose the bigger gift maybe in our hearts, but yet we have so many things that hold us back that can stop us from really being able to give as generously as maybe our desire and our heart would want to. And so our main point today is this idea that one of the greatest ways God's people can praise him is by choosing to give generously. One of the greatest ways God's people can praise him is by choosing to give generously. That this might be in our hearts, and there might be things that hold us back and we struggle with. So what are those things 
And then what are the results of giving generously? Then we're going to spend uh, our time in 1 Chronicles 29. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. If you're in the church Bible, it is page 666. Don't look into that. Uh, that's, that's just the number of the page. Uh, but being able to be in page uh, 666, if you are having, if you brought your own Bible, uh, we're going to be in 1 Chronicles 29, 1 through 20. Um, and then you can also look on your Bible app or whatever it may be. But I want to start off that the context of this passage is that this is the passage in which David's last act as king, that, that Solomon, his son, is about to be um, brought in as the new king. And David's last act of king is to provide the resources to give so that the temple could be built through Solomon. And so I want to start reading verses 1 through 5, and then we'll pause and, and dive into some points together. But verse 1 says, Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And I just imagine Solomon's like, Dad, not in front of my friends. Um, and then the task is great. Because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. All of these in large quantities. Besides... In my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? And so with this idea, David is sharing as a leader, as a king, he's not just asking people to give without first giving. He's not asking people to do something that he's not willing to do first. Now, he wasn't a perfect leader. Uh, we recognize this, that he had shortcomings, as we all do. But this is one thing. In this instance, he said, listen, I've, as a king, I've set aside these resources. And then out of my own personal devotion, I'm giving up over and above and beyond. And then in verse 6, when he says, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? That idea of consecrate is just this idea of providing a voluntary offering. This idea of setting themselves apart and saying, I'm going to step out and I'm going to give a voluntary offering this day. And so we recognize that we're going to read in a couple moments, but there are three choices necessary for giving generously. It may not be the only three, but they're three that we might be able to glean from a few words, a few key words from our passage this morning. And so what I want to do is read verses six through nine and pull out a few of those key words and expand upon that to kind of get an idea of where we might be holding back, where we might need to make choices to give generously. So starting in verse six. That the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. We're going to take that first idea of what it means to give freely. And, and so in order for us to get to that point, we have to make this first choice. Number one is that we must choose to get rid of debt. 
that there are many of us who would like to be able to give. And yet when we look at our budgets, we look at our lives, we recognize that we just have too much debt and there's so much that we are beholden and that we owe other people because of either purchases we made, education we've received, or things like that, that we're not able to then give to God, or we feel that we're not able to give to God. Now, we've talked on some of these statistics before, but I just want to give a reminder that Americans, it's not on the screen, but listen, Americans own, own more than $1.2 trillion in educational debt, which is 29000 per student. So in advance, I am sorry, second and third row. Um, but we look at this idea that the average car loan is $30,000, which is $500 monthly. And then the average credit card balance is more than $15,000, and there are more than 1.4 billion open credit cards in our country. So as Dave Ramsey would say, let's face it, debt is normal, but who wants to be normal? That this debt is so overwhelming and it's so common, and in fact, those figures, they don't even take into account medical debt of something that has happened to people that they, it's beyond their control. That's consumer debt and things that we spend. We want to feel like we want to be like everybody else. We want to put on airs that everything is fine. We want to have the same kind of clothes and drive the same kind of cars and live in the same kind of house and have the same kind of picket fence and have the same kind of career and the same kind of 401k and the same kind of retirement that we want to look like everybody else. And so instead of trying to find our identity in who we are, we find our identity in the things we own. And that we look at, if I have these possessions, then that will affirm my identity. That will affirm my career choice. That will affirm what school I went to. That will affirm my life. And yet, we are not defined by what we own. We are defined by who owns us. Where is our heart and have we given our lives to Jesus? And when we have, our identity is being in the beloved children of God whom he loves, with whom he is well pleased. Not based on what you do or what you own or what others think of you, but in whose you are. And so we could fall into this trap of debt because we want to look like everyone else. We want to consume and we want to be able to do those things. But choosing, in your notes, choosing to get rid of debt allows us to give freely. That there might be times in which you see someone in which that they're in need and you're able to give and you recognize, okay, I don't have debt in my life. I'm able to be able to have a point where I have a budget. I have parts in which I know I can set aside to help those in need. Or, or you say, I'm going to give and I may not know how I'm going to make ends meet, but I know that God is going to meet my needs. That we look at this idea that by getting rid of debt, and we've talked about how, if you want to get some more details, um, we did a sermon series in July called The Signs of Generosity, and there's a sermon called Minus, which talks about the idea that if by subtracting the slavery of debt from our lives, we are free to live in contentment and generosity. That's the main point. And so I'd encourage you to listen to that, but even more so than that, you can listen, or you can get involved in Financial Peace University, look up a debt snowball. I mean, you can listen to the sermon, but I'm just repeating what experts are talking about there. So I would love to encourage you that there are ways to do that that are feasible so that we are not beholden to every creditor around us, but rather we recognize that we are giving all credit to God in our lives and we're able to live for him and be wise stewards with what he's given us. And so that's one idea there is that we need to choose to get rid of debt. Number two is that we must choose to reject the mindset of scarcity. 
We hit on this a little bit in the multiple in the time series uh, in that same sorry the time sermon in the signs of generosity series. The idea of scarcity that we think that if we don't have, there's not going to be enough for us, so how can I give to others? Because resources are scarce, and we hoard things, and we hold on to things. If you don't believe that we have a culture of scarcity, then I would just encourage you to go into a house with young kids that have a million toys, and yet they only want to play with the one, because that's the only one that I want for myself right now. That's a hypothetical, don't come to our house, because, you know, whatever. But... It's this idea, too, of maybe it's the idea of going on a a Black Friday shopping and recognizing that, oh, we have to get that deal where our 100-inch plasma screen is, you know, $12 or whatever it is. And you start, like, pushing people, and it's very violent. And it's just this idea of we think there's not enough for us. And because we buy into the world's idea of scarcity, that there's not enough for us, so it's a dog-eat-dog world. I'm going to hold on to things to myself. I'm going to build my own bigger barns, and I'm going to trust in the building of my own barns rather than trusting in the God who loves me and created me. That I'm going to trust in my own provision of my own barns rather than the one who gave me the abilities to make money in the first place. Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18 talk about this idea that In our wealth, may we not forget that God is the one who gave us the abilities in the first place to make money. That without that, we wouldn't be able to do these things that allow us to make money, make a living. But by choosing to reject scarcity, it allows us to give, not just freely, but wholeheartedly. That we're able to give wholeheartedly because we're able to give with our whole heart, recognizing that although we might feel like things are scarce, that truly we don't have a God of scarcity. We have a God of abundance. We have a God who can overflow, that he doesn't just say, I want to give you life and barely enough life to live. He says, I want to give you life and life to the full. He talks about how he, he owns a cow on a thousand hills in Psalm 5010. He talks about how the earth is the Lord's and everything in it in Psalm 24.1, that we see that he is the giver of all good gifts, that we recognize that every breath that we have is a gift that he's given us. He's not a God of scarcity. He's a God who works and deals and lives and gives with abundance. And so we see here that we're able to give wholeheartedly, recognizing that he will provide our needs. We don't have to hoard. We just have to trust and hold on to him. And then I want to look at verses, first, uh, verses 10 through 13. So we just looked at in verse um, 9 there that the people gave freely, wholeheartedly. And then now I want to look at the verbiage that we must choose to remember that's what's ours is his. Whose stuff is it anyway? Whose money is it? Whose resources? Whose stuff is it anyway? What's ours is his. Let's read this together, verses 10 through 13. So then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now our God... God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. So whose stuff is it anyway? It's his. What's ours? All the things we have and the gifts and abilities that we have in order to make money or to get things is from 
him. And we give him glory and honor and praise. So when we remember, when we stop and realize that our bank accounts, our skills are not based on just our own goodness and ability, even though the American dream tells us to do things on our own without asking for help, when we do that and we step back and say, no, 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 everything I have is God's. That makes us so much more willing to give back because we recognize it was never truly ours in the first place. He's entrusted it to us like the parable of the talents when the owner gave the money to entrust to the stewards and he judged them based on how good they were at stewarding the resources. That my children, our girls, we love them so much. They're not ours. They're God's and we have been entrusted to steward them and to walk alongside them. And to God knew them and loved them before we knew they were even coming. And he formed them and he'll be with them. And so our job as parents is to be good stewards and to point them to their maker, their creator, their savior. And so we're able to recognize that we are stewards. What's ours is truly his. So then we look at these three ideas, these three words of freely, wholeheartedly, and willingly. Like I said in this last note here is that choosing to remember what ours is his allows us to give willingly. That those three words that we look at, those adverbs from this passage, show us what it looks like to give generously and choices we might need to make in order to be able to give freely by eliminating debt, in order to give wholeheartedly by recognizing that we live in abundance, not scarcity, and by being able to give willingly, recognize that's what ours is his in the first place. But what are the results? What are the three results, according to this passage, of giving generously? Number one is the idea that giving generously causes us to be in awe of God's abundance. Listen to this verse in verse 14. I love this. David says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Think about that for a second. That they weren't giving begrudgingly or because they're under compulsion. They were giving out of a recognition that they had been so blessed by God. That they are able, they are chomping at the bit in order to give back to God. And that they were able to give in abundance because God has given them abundance. In fact, it continues on. Everything comes from who? From you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand because what's ours is truly his. Now, verse 15, we are foreigners and strangers in your sight as we are all, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope, Lord, our God. All this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and it all belongs to to you. We serve a God not of scarcity like the world would say. We serve a God of abundance. And I want to take just 30 seconds here to acknowledge that for some of you, if we're being really honest right now, that's a point of contention. Because some of you, if we're being really honest right now, don't feel like we're in abundance. We feel like there's so much going on financially or with burdens in our lives that, that it feels like, how can you go up and say that there's a God of abundance when here I am and here's what I'm struggling with? And if that's you, I am so glad that you are here and I'm so glad that, that even if this is, you're saying this is my last time going to church, I hope and I pray that the truth that God loves you sinks deep into your bones and permeates your soul to recognize that we don't always understand how God gives, why God gives, and the way that he gives, but we know 
that he's a God of abundance who can give so much. And so if you're in a place where you are struggling, maybe it is because of self-imposed things like debt and consumer debt and things like that. Maybe it's from things like medical bills. Maybe it's something completely different that was out of your control. And so you don't feel God's abundance. But when we're in that moment, I would just encourage you to, to take a moment to pray through 2 Corinthians 9 that talks about that in our poverty, Jesus, through his riches, laid down his life so that we might have eternal riches. That we are not promised wealth in this world. We are not promised a material abundance all the time. Because if we were, then that means that there are a billion Christians in poorer countries across the world that somehow might be missing it, which we know to be not true. That we are not promised the wealth of coin in our hands, but we're promised the wealth of he who spread his hands and laid down his life for us. And so if you're not experiencing that kind of abundance, I would pray that you would ask God to show you the kind of abundance that you have received. Because again, he is a God of abundance. We look, we continue on that giving generously causes us to be in awe of God's abundance. Then number two, as we close up here, giving generously often inspires others and produces joy. Let's look at verse 17 together. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I've given willingly and with honest intent. There's that word willingly again. And now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. The like a good leader, David says, I'm going to lead first in the amount of giving. And then the people, the leaders give. And recognize here in this passage, they don't ask the people to give. That in Exodus 35, which we'll hit on in another day, they talk about the idea that all the people were to give their stuff. Just here, we see that the leaders are the ones that give, and they set that example. And if we see our leaders giving, and giving sacrificially, we're giving them freely, wholeheartedly, and willingly, how much more so does that inspire us to do the same? And it brings great joy to David. It produces joy for him to see that. Now, I want to share a story that popped up on my phone notification yesterday. And so I have a couple pictures I want to show you. So this first picture is of a fifth grader named Ruby Kate Chitsey. Ruby Kate Chitsey, her mom works at a, a nursing home um, in Arkansas. And Ruby Kate was there and she was you know, visiting and she tells in the story how she was kind of bored. And as she was bored, she's kind of looking around and she sees a woman that is kind of staring out the window and looking sad and asks, you know what, why are you sad? And share about how the woman says, you know, I have a dog, but... I'm not able to see it. It costs money for us to be able to have someone to, to care for the dog and things like that. And so she, Ruby Kate was just kind of thinking, you know, I just want to go around in the nursing home and just ask people, what are three things that you would want, that you would wish for, that, that would be a very simple thing? Now, you might imagine things that are really big, but we have a, we have a list here. Um, the next photo has a few of the things there. So, for example, someone wanted Dr. Pepper, all 23 flavors. Some person wanted uh, a case of Pepsi. Um, there's Doritos on there. I mean, there's different, there's different things that aren't huge things. But she would go and she would make these lists and she would write down, as a fifth grader, she would write down what the people, different people wanted. In fact... Other answers include things like they wanted good books, not just the secondhand ones that came from uh, a thrift store. They wanted good books. One person said that he just wanted pants that fit. And then thirdly, one person said that they, this woman said, I want fresh fruit. 
And she said, because I haven't had a fresh strawberry in eight years. And so this is not to denigrate nursing homes. Please do not take that from this. But this is an opportunity where they had a, just a small amount of money left over, uh, the, the people, the residents there. And so Ruby K just goes in and she starts a GoFundMe page. And as she goes on this GoFundMe page, she, she creates like this idea of this Ruby Kate's lit, wish list. And so she goes on GoFundMe. And if you're not aware of GoFundMe, it's a, it's a website that raises money for different causes that people can start. Well, GoFundMe, as the, the website, the organization, recognized her and called her a, a, quote, kid hero. So they kind of made her, they elevated her, um, the specific cause, to a higher thing. And so uh, recently, because of out of that, they were able to put on uh, what they called Operation Happy Meal, in which she gave 100 residents Happy Meals. I think we have a picture. Like, that's the happiest anyone's ever been with a Happy Meal. Look at that face. And it's one of those where they just hadn't been able to have food from outside of the nursing home. Now, do I advocate McDonald's as like your only meal if you're going to be out there? Not necessarily, but those fries though, am I right? So, um, so look how happy there was, you know, to do that Operation Happy Meal. And then... As a result of all these things, on GoFundMe, this girl who was, quote, bored and wanted to find a way to help others was able to inspire other people to give and produce joy to the tune of, she'd raise $70,000. Because people saw this and said, well, I'll buy, I want to donate money for Dr. Pepper or a bag of Doritos or a Happy Meal. In fact, <clears throat> there's a, a woman who shared, it's not the woman in the picture, but you can see this picture of a woman. No, it's okay. You can go to it. Uh, it's a picture of just this impact that this girl, Ruby Kate, had. But there's a different woman who's not this one, but she shared, this woman shared that she had been in the throes of depression. And, and being able, Ruby Kate had this woman help in the dispersal of the gifts that people wanted. And just for her, this woman, to be able to help give the bags of Doritos or the Pepsi or the Dr. Pepper or the books that are good and the pants that fit, whatever it was, even just that and of being able to be inspired by that. And she was able to say that, you know, I've really been able to get out from underneath this burden of depression. Because giving generously can inspire other people, and it can produce joy. Then lastly, we look at verse, uh, verses 18 through 20, that giving generously aligns our hearts with God's heart. Verse 18 through 20, say this as we close up. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I've provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and their king. That we recognize that we have a God, the God of abundance. But he's also a God that his heart is of a father who wants to give good gifts to his kids. Now, I know father is a tough word for many people. And it's hard to reconcile that the person in our life that we may have called father was so far from the image of God as a father. But let us not allow that to determine or deter us, rather, from recognizing that that is one of the ways that God introduced himself as our Abba, as our father. And so 
we see this idea that as a dad, I love being able to give gifts to my kids. So I had a I had a Barnes & Noble gift card that had kind of an odd amount on it. And so it's one of those where when it comes to food gift cards, you can ask my wife, when it comes to food gift cards, those are often spent before I even like leave the car. Like those are just, like just go through it. When it comes to like Amazon gift cards, I tend to become like John Nash in A Beautiful Mind and I try to just put all the different like cords together and get as much possible with like this $20 uh, thing there. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get a thousand things. Anyways, with that said, uh, this was a kind of an odd amount, and so um, Shaylin recently has really enjoyed getting into uh, chapter books um, and reading, and she just is really loving that. And so there's a, a series called um, Fairy Ponies, riveting, and so there's a, it's like a six book series, and a friend of ours had let her borrow five books. Now, we thought there were five. We ended up looking up that there were six. So she reads to the first book. She reads to the second book, and then she looks and says, Daddy, I don't have the third book. And so, you know, she stopped the series and was like, I, like she mentioned later on, I wish I could read that book. So what I end up doing is I use this gift card on, on Barnes and Noble and I, I purchase uh, Rainbow Races for Fairy Pony, book three. And I, last week, um, it came in the mail on, on Saturday. And so uh, she was actually supposed to come Saturday. She, she pull, opened it up and I tried to get her like in the other room because I, I like didn't buy anything for Elise. And so it's one of those where, but Elise is like, so daddy, what is it? I'm like, oh no. So Shaylin is in here. She opens it up and she's just ecstatic. Like you would never know that $6 could bring this much joy. And so she's just so happy and she's excited. It's like, daddy, thank you so much. Daddy, thank you so much. I'm like, you're welcome. I love you. And then she goes into the other room and I'm kind of walking around and, and then she, she starts to work on something. She's talking to, to Steph and I don't really know what she's doing. And then let's look at the first slide here. The first picture is that she ends up writing me a thank you card. So it says Dada, and yes, those are hearts inside the Ds. My girl's awesome. So, um, so Dada with the heart around it, and then there's concentric hearts on the right-hand side there. Um, and so she writes this, she, she puts this together. She gives me an envelope. Let's, let's go to the next slide. In this slide, uh, it's a picture of us. You can tell by the glasses and the fact that it's uh, drawn to scale. And it says, I love you. I love you so, 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 so. And she's like, Daddy, I meant to say much, but I was too excited. So it's one of those where she forgot to say that. We're holding hands, which is precious. And then on the back of that, go ahead and go to the next picture. She writes this note, and it just says, you know, dear Dad, thank you so much uh, for, oh man, it's closer now. I can't read it. Uh, thank you for buying the book, essentially. Uh, you could have spent that money on yourself. I love you. And then if you zoom back out for a second for me, you could see that she went into her piggy bank, and she grabbed out a grand total of 78 cents. Now, now walk with me for a second. Does 78 cents pay me back for the book? No. Could she ever truly pay me back for that book? She could give me $6, but, but being able to be a dad who wants to give gifts to a child, that she gives 78 cents, why? Because when we are the recipients of generous giving, that we then recognize that there's something that bubbles up inside of us that inspires us and causes us to want to be givers as well. That when you and I recognize how much God has given us, whether it's shown in our bank account or whether it's just recognizing that we have new life in Jesus and he's credited Jesus' righteousness to our account. I mean, whatever it is, we recognize that when we have been the recipients of a gift of a loving father that we want to give back. And that 78 cents, it's not going to 
you know, drastically change our plans for our retirement. It's not going to be able to even buy me a stick of gum. But even when we have the opportunity to give back to God, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it to, because, oh my gosh, I'm God and I don't have enough resources at my disposal. He doesn't need the resources. He needs to see that we've trusted him with our resources because he has our heart. And, and I wonder that if we were to think about all the things God has given us, that our heart, recognizing that his heart is a father, when we align with those, we are able to be good givers and generous givers, but we're also able to receive so much because we recognize that we've been given so much. And, and I wonder when the last time was when instead of like verse 14, we say, God, who are we that we are able to give back to you? Sometimes we hold back compuls- because we feel like it's under compulsion. We feel begrudgingly when we give. And instead, maybe our prayer, maybe our journal tonight, maybe what you process through is you just take a piece of paper and instead of dad, dad, you write Abba. And, and you thank him for what he's given you. And you give back what you can, not because he needs it to survive, but because he wants to see if he has your heart. That our heart be aligned with his heart. Just like David prayed that the people's hearts would stay so close to God, and yet we know the story, we know they didn't. But that that would be the desire. That our hearts be aligned to his heart so that we can be, recognize that we are created in the image of a giver. We are created in the image of a generous, abundantly giving God. So may we live in his image. May we be abundant givers who give freely, wholeheartedly, and willingly. May we recognize that out of the bounty, the abundance that we've received, that we can help others in true scarcity who are struggling and recognize that God will still meet our needs. May we recognize that our identity is not found in the things we own, but recognize our identity is in who owns us, who is the one who's our father. And may our hearts be aligned to him. Why? Because one of the greatest ways to praise God, one of the greatest ways God's people can praise him is by choosing to give generously. And this passage ends not with the tribes of Israel getting credit, but with God being praised and his glory being lifted up high in the people that the praise were ever on their lips, that they would bless the Lord, oh, our souls, and worship and praise his holy name. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for each and every person that is here. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are a good, abundantly giving God. And if we have any question about your abundance, we need only look at Jesus on the cross, recognizing that you sent one who knew no sin to, became, to become sin, that you sent one without fault to take our faults upon himself, and that when he was struck down and when he was, was crucified, that we were able to experience true life when we trust in him and rely on him. Lord, I pray that our identities would not be in the things we own, but our identities would be in our relationship with you, because when we lean into you, possessions go and possessions come. We recognize that your love for us, when we recognize it's truly based on finding our identity in being your beloved children whom you are, with whom you are well pleased, it doesn't ebb and flow with our bank accounts. It always flows because we praise you from whom all blessings flow. So Lord, I pray that you would uh, encourage us. I pray that 
you would um, allow us to praise you with all of our souls, with all of our heart, our mind, and strength. And I pray, God, that you would be glorified when you see your children have a heart like yours to give generously so that, not that we would get credit, but that you would get the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as you leave this morning, as I was praying earlier, just uh, that the topic of it talking about money would not be enough to stop us from seeing and hearing what God might have for you today. So maybe it had to do with the topic that we talked about. Maybe it's just a reminder that there are 10,000 reasons for us to bless God, to worship him, to praise him. And that one of those ways, yes, is to choose to give generously, but that's not the only way for us to praise him. I would after service, if you would like, I'll be down here and I would love to be able to pray with, with, uh, with you if you would have anything, whether it's regarding this or something completely different. But I hope you know to the core of your being and the fiber of your bones that God loves you. Not just the person next to you, not just the one that looks like they have it all together, that God loves you, that Jesus died for you and that the Holy Spirit wants to dwell in you and make you more like Jesus so that we could continue to see people far from God being brought near to God, that we would continue to have the heart of our Father to see the lost with our arms wide open when people come to the altar, that they would find rest and home and life and light in Jesus. And so as you go out, you know, they're going to have opportunity to sign up for the, the uh, homeless feed. Today's the last day. There's different events going on. There's things going on that are great. And I hope that you know that there are opportunities to serve here. But I also hope you know, again, if nothing else, that God loves you. And you never forget that. So we'll continue and actually close out our series next week. If you need prayer, I'll be up here. If not, um, thank you so much for coming. And we hope to see you next Sunday. God bless you guys.